This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So it's an all-pet day here on Creature Comforts, where we open the doors to our pet hospital wide open. We welcome all your pet questions from the big to the small. Do you have a cat or dog at home, or maybe both? Do you have a question about an exotic pet like a rabbit, snake, or ferret? Don't hesitate to join our conversation by phone or email today. And if you've had any great wildlife experiences that you'd like to share with us, we always like to hear those as well. To join our conversation, just give us a phone call. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email animals at mpbonline.org. If you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursday morning, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. Good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Doing fine. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, so I would imagine at the clinic there are some things that you see probably maybe year-round, possibly flea control that sort of thing but are there any sort of seasonal things that you know as the maybe as the weather turns cold you see more of right and of course you know here we don't get extremely cold weather but there's certainly something we have to be aware of when it does dip below in, into the freezing or below uh right now i guess we've seen gosh three or four c-sections uh which means that uh this is in dogs they were coming into season about 60 days ago, give or take. And we're seeing more and more activity with our dogs. You know, it hasn't been that cold, and people have been out and letting their pets run and this sort of thing. I've seen a fair number of lamenesses in the last uh, week to two weeks. So there's there's some seasonal things. But, you know, heartworm prevention is always uh, a year-round thing here in Mississippi and flea control as well. Uh, we can have fleas, you know, in Christmas. I mean, it depends on whether they're in the house or in the bedding or this sort of thing. So it's definitely uh, a year-round situation. Uh, we've talked on this show about microchipping pets, and I think that you're in favor of it. Our producer, Java, found an interesting story about microchipping. It's a cat named Patches was brought into the Animal Shelter Assistance Program in Santa Barbara County, California, as a stray last month. After a microchip scan, it showed that Patches had been missing since January 9th, 2018, after a tragic mudslide in Montecito, California. The shelter says Patches was found less than a quarter mile from where her home had stood. No one is sure what she had been doing for the past three years, but she's now happily reunited with her family. So that's a fun story, Dr. Major. Right, and that's a great thing. Uh, I do believe in microchipping it. Uh, it's only as good as the uh, shelters and the uh, veterinary clinics will scan stray dogs. Uh, I would think that most have a reader, and it gives out the number, and also the company that made the chip. So you can call and hopefully track down uh, the pet family. Uh, we've seen some uh, in Florida from here 
in other words, that far away, and uh, there have been cases much farther than that. So it's just something that we really should uh, be aware of, that it's available, and uh, it's a good thing. And you can imagine, you know, how much we love our pets, that uh, that family probably had been just over their mind when uh, Patches went missing. So to be reunited, uh, that's a real happy story to share here as we get started this morning. Right. I suspect they'd probably given up, you know, three years, but uh, it's pretty amazing, and it's great that they were reunited. Good. Uh we got a couple of emails. This first one is talking about possums. I uh, said, I've seen one in the backyard a half dozen times yesterday at about 2 p.m., other times at 4 p.m. Seems to be looking for something to eat. There are numerous small holes in the yard that I attribute to the possum. Uh, he seems unaware of me until I crunch some leaves. Then it will look in my direction for a second or two and move away. Usually it scoots under the fence around the yard. But once it climbed the live oak and sat on a limb for about 15 feet up. I've read that they're nocturnal, so I wonder if I should be concerned about this behavior or just enjoy when I see it. It sounds like the possum is uh, fairly secure by that, uh, not really afraid. Uh, they probably don't have a dog in the yard. I don't know that, but uh, it would be, you know, the dogs would tend to keep keeping a possum out. And the possums are smart enough not to get in the yard, however... We have pictures that have been sent in where the possum is eating with the dog. If it was uh, our cat, if it's on the back porch, a lot of times people will put food out for their outside dog or cat, and uh, the possum knows that and learns. I suspect this possum was digging either for roots, they they can uh, do that, or grubs. Uh, they They're good at that as well. So they can sniff things out, and they're opportunists. They will eat most anything that they can come across, and that's one reason the survival rate. I mean, you look at a possum, you have to think it's prehistoric, mm -hmm. and uh, they are survivors. Even though they're not too smart in the road, uh, they're definitely survivors. Uh, and just as a reminder, you mentioned, you know, uh, outdoor pets and food. So uh, in, in order to uh, not attract any unwanted visitors, maybe a good idea to either bring the food in at night or maybe uh, tightly cover it so that raccoons and other uh, creatures might not come in for a bite to eat. Exactly. They, they're smart enough to go to a food source. And uh, opossums really don't uh, are not big spreaders of disease. I'd be more concerned about <laughs> raccoons plus Raccoon, a large raccoon, can do some damage to a cat or a dog as well, whereas a possum can, but usually not unless they're cornered. And in most cases, if you corner a possum, it's going to play possum. <laughs> that's how he got the name. Right. <laughs> or that's how that, that phrase came right. about. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, you know, the uh, the only time I've ever encountered one, I think I might have shared this when it happened, was a couple years ago was uh, during the winter. I'd gone outside, and my um, washing machine is located in a little room off my carport. And I went in there, and I turned the light on, and there was a possum sitting uh, on the corner of the uh, of the uh, washing machine. And uh, he looked at me. I looked at him. I, I kind of screamed and, and ran out, and I think he got a little spooked as well. So we saw each other and decided maybe we, we would meet again at another time. So. Well, you know, they, they do a good job of hissing. They have a hiss. And also, if you look at their teeth, they've got some pretty formidable teeth. Uh, mm -hmm. They've got, and they like to show them, you know, it's about the best thing. And it's a good, I think it's a good defensive type uh, tactic. 
All right, here's another email. Uh, it's about a kitten. It says, I adopted a black domestic short hair kitten in August of 2020. I know nothing about Jet other than he showed up at my local shelter with injuries to his face, an upper respiratory infection, and the usual fleas and parasites. My little foster failure is now healed up, but he's had some lingering problems. First, he still gets respiratory infections, sneezing, weepy eyes, and will get out of breath when playing. Uh, my vet has prescribed prednisone for this. It does help, but doesn't stop the problem. Second, his breath can be absolutely foul. One yawn will make you want to leave the room. My vet says this may be congenital, but because of COVID restrictions, we've not had any face-to-face time to discuss the problem further. He has no problems with eating and is otherwise healthy and active. So, Dr. Major, maybe take those one at a time. Uh, the yeah. respiratory infection, as you said, the the vet has prescribed something that seems to be working. Um, is that maybe the best that she can hope for? It's not going to be a cure. Uh, it's suppressing, you know, the symptoms. I would suspect, and I don't know this, but I would suspect that it has started out as a viral infection and it may continue on. Uh, there's a herpes virus, uh, not communicable to people, but it uh, creates a disease called rhinotracheitis. And it's persistent. It does not just leave and go away. Uh, and there are some uh, medications that might help. One is called Viralize, uh, and it might be good to put that in the cat's food. Talk to your vet about that. Uh, as far as the mouth odor, how old did they say the cat is now? Um, doesn't really say other than it was adopted uh, in August of last year. Okay. And, you know, if it's a young cat, it probably is coming uh, from the stomach as opposed to the mouth. A lot of times we see cats with, you know, infections in their mouth, around the teeth or the gums, and they can be pretty atrocious as far as the smell that you would smell from that. So when possible, I would get this cat into the vet and a thorough exam with that and possibly some other methods of uh, treatment. If you would look up rhinotracheitis, I think you can see that some of these cats never recur- recover completely, but uh, lead a fairly normal life, except for recurrent respiratory infection. All right. Fortunately, my cat does not have the uh, the breath problem. He yawns all the time, and I, it doesn't make me leave the room, so I'll consider myself uh, lucky on that. It's time for our first break of the hour. When we get back, uh, we'll be looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. Also, if you had a recent brush with wildlife, a brush with nature or a wildlife experience that you'd like to share, we always like to hear about those. So call in with questions and comments at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more, so stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. And today we're taking your pet questions and also talking about your brushes with wildlife or with nature. If you want to join the conversation with a question or comment, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show 
send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Phone lines are open, so if you have a pet question, uh, now is the time to call in. Dr. Major here ready to give you some assistance this morning. Uh, So, Dr. Major, here is an email from Sharon who says that she has a 17-year-old indoor cat, recently replaced the litter box, uh, but now the cat won't use the new box. Are there any tips or suggestions on how to get the cat uh, used to and using uh, the replacement litter box? My gosh, that is a problem. Uh, Get that whole litter box back. I don't know know if she can do that or not. Uh, And I guess the cat... It's probably going uh, elsewhere, somewhere. Uh, make sure that it's a low litter box. Uh, cat 17 years old may have some arthritis, and it may have some problems getting in and out of a litter box that's too high. Uh, and hopefully she hasn't changed the substrate uh, to a different type litter than what she'd been using. But uh, I would offer another litter box close by, a different type maybe, and see what the cat does with that. Uh, certainly, uh, at this age, uh, there may be some other issues, but it sounds like he was doing fine with the old litter box. Uh, that's interesting that you mentioned because I've heard I've heard that as well that it's probably not a good idea to frequently change up the, the type of litter that you're using. Exactly, and you know some cats don't care, but uh, they've done studies and they find that uh, litter that. <laughs> more closely appropriate soil, something fairly fine, not too coarse, uh, seems to attract the cats. But every cat is different. Some cats are attracted to one type of litter, others to another. So uh, I would definitely not change this cat's litter since he's 17 years old. Right. You know, as much as how neat it is that they go there and how much of a problem it can be when a cat won't use a litter box, I'm going to do anything I can to make sure that he loves going in there and doing what he's supposed to do. So, yes, uh, and you, you know, it's, it's one of the probably number one reasons why cats are taken to a shelter from a home because they're not using, you know, inappropriate urination and defecation and not uh, going in that particular litter box. And we always say that rule of one litter box plus one per cat, uh, and not per cat, but if you had four cats, you would have four litter boxes plus one. And mm-hmm. I know that sounds extreme, but it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, and I found a, a brand of uh, scoopable litter that works really well. The cat seems to like it, and it uh, it uh, clumps well. You know, I'd, uh, the other, I actually think they've changed their formula because I've been buying the same brand for a while, and it used to have trouble to where when you would try to scoop it out, the clumps would fall apart. But whatever uh, uh, adjustments they've made, uh, it's now it stays together really well. And so, uh, cleaning my cat box fortunately is not that big of a problem. So I'm I'm very happy about that. And it's it's interesting every several years, maybe not too many years, but you'll see a new advanced non-scoopable cat box. In other words, it's got a motorized uh, thing or some way that the litter and everything is is removed down to a lower chamber. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if any of these actually work. Uh, And I know that when you change to something like that, if it has any sound, if it makes any sound, a lot of cats won't even go into it. So that you see those advertised on TV probably every couple of years. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I have seen one recently, and so uh, I watched the ad uh, that they, you know they make them seem so great. You know, no problem. The cat loves it. Blah blah blah. Uh, the five hundred dollar price tag kind of scared me away from that. 
And actually, I, I got one that's uh, it's three boxes or three levels, and it's kind of a sifting thing. It's got a, right. kind of a mesh at the bottom. And so basically for me to do it, you just lift off the top layer, let all the, the, you know, the good litter drain through to the next layer, and you keep you know, rotating around. And that's been uh, real helpful to me. So that's, if anyone sees one out there like that, I've had real success with that. Sounds like a pretty good plan, yes. All right, we've got a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Rachel in Starkville. Good morning, Rachel. You're on the air with us. Good morning. So I have a cat who is uh, very worrisome to try to take on a trip. Uh, I put him in the little carrier cage, and he howls all the way, and he throws up and is just totally miserable, and it makes me miserable. I don't travel anymore. Well, of course, the pandemic, I don't anyway, but uh, I do want to be able to travel later. Yes. What can I do to make him a happy cat in his box? How far How far are your trips usually? Uh, usually, this one is about two hours. Okay. First of all, I would say take that food up about eight to 12 hours before before uh-huh. you travel. Uh, okay. You can put a few crumbs of food in the in the uh, carrier if that's where, you, where you've got the cat when you're traveling. And I do recommend the cat being in a carrier rather than roaming about the car. Uh, the other thing that has worked for some people, and you might talk to your vet about this, something to calm this cat a little bit. There are several different things uh, that might help. And gabapentin or neurotin, in some cases, will help uh, take the edge off of a cat rather than a tranquilizer that's going to possibly knock him out. Gabapentin should have very little side effects. Talk to uh-huh. you a bit about that if you would. Uh, sometimes when we have a cat that's uh, upset coming in the clinic uh, and we know it's going to be upset, the owner uh before it comes in, can give the gabapentin, and it makes exam and everything a whole lot easier. Uh, a two-hour trip, I don't think you have to worry too much. Now, if you were going six hours, it might be be a different thing. The other things are there's a drug, uh, not a drug, but a collar that has the maternal pheromones. Uh, you might try that to see if that would help settle the cat down. You would need to have it on probably it has, a week or so. What kind Just, of hormones? Maternal, maternal pheromones, uh, which has some calming effect in some cats. It doesn't work in every cat, but Uh it does work in some to help kind of calm. So those are some things that I would would certainly try. And uh, talk to your vet about the gabapentin. I mean, it's something that has to either be prescribed or you can get it at your vet. But uh, we have seen that help. Okay? Okay. Thank you so much, Doc. I love the show. Well, good luck to you. I sure hope that's an excellent question because I have driven myself like from, oh gosh, uh, Shreveport uh, to Jackson. And I think that cat cried every time the wheels hit a, the bump, uh-huh. you know, the, section, uh-huh. the section of the road. And, and it makes the cat miserable <laughs> and it makes the people miserable and it's Absolutely. the whole sad event. But let's but try I that. I appreciate your to, help. I sure you're do. welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rachel, for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, uh, Amy is on the line from Jackson. Go ahead, Amy. You're on the air with us. Yeah, um, I usually call in about dog things, but I, I thought I'd add to the conversation about the scoop, the cat boxes that are automatic. Um, 
I have a cat genie, which actually washes the that has like impermeable granules, and um, I think it works pretty well. You have to clean right. your toilet a little bit more often. The cats seem to like it. I do have a conventional um, cat box as a backup because you know it takes about twenty minutes to run the the wash cycle, and I, I want to make sure that nobody's crossing their legs while while it's washing. <laughs> okay. But um, they seem to actually wait for for it to be finished, and and, and then it. they'll go in once it's clean. And that's called a genie. Is that right? Cat genie. Cat genie. Okay. Well, thanks so, for the information. That's good. Amy, tell us a little bit more about how that works. So it has like this little mechanical scooper thing that goes in and it, it kind of, um, if there's any poop or anything, it chops that up. And then there's chemicals that are, are in a chamber above it. And it, it's connected to the same pipe that the toilet has. So it, it brings in water from from the, the toilet plumbing and, and it washes the granules and then it kind of spits them back out into the toilet. That's why you have to wash your toilet clean your toilet a bit more often because whenever there's poop it just seems to leave a film in your in your toilet um you know that's that's a lot easier for me than than scooping <laughs> i like okay, it i guess i guess i have a question how much does that cost you know i don't know um I, my husband who um still lives in california bought it for when he was taking care of my my cats before i moved them here to mississippi and he didn't need it anymore when i got came and got my cats and brought back here to mississippi so i don't really know the answer to that i know it wasn't cheap and the the chemicals and things are not are not cheap um but it kind of depends on you know um how much you're happy with it yeah yeah how much much do you value your time versus the the money to do it okay very good Appreciate your call. Thanks, Amy. Good to hear from you. We've got some open phone lines on this All Pet Day on Creature Comforts. If you'd like to ask Dr. Major a question this morning, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Time for another break. We'll be back with more after this. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. Today, we're taking your pet questions and talking about your brushes with nature as well. We've got some open phone lines, so if you want to call in today, uh, now is the time to do so at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, Amy's call kind of piqued my curiosity, so I went ahead and looked up the Cat Genie online. And, you know, we don't endorse one product or another, but this one does seem interesting. Uh, from the website, it says that um, the Cat Genie cleans after every time the cat uses it. First, it scoops all the solids as liquids drain through the non-absorbent granules. Then it cleans the granules and bowls with water and vet-approved 
Santa Solution. It flushes all the waste and water out of your home for good via your toilet or laundry drain line. Finally, it hot air dries itself, leaving a clean and dry box ready for your cat to use again. The latest model has machine learning artificial intelligence uh, that monitors your cat's bathroom behavior, keeps an eye on how your cat genie is running, and lets you know when supplies are running low. The data is analyzed by the Cat Genie AI and displayed in the Cat Genie app in order to help your unit run more efficiently, monitor your cat's health and wellness, as well as create a cleaning schedule customized to suit you and your cat's usage. So that's interesting. I mean, that uh, that shows you how much technology advances even (laughs) something as simple as a cat box. Uh, But uh, it's an interesting, it kind of looks more like a, a, a toilet. It's uh, got the bowl there, and it looks like it's got the scoop and all of the, the, the uh, controls there. Uh, it's about $400, so as those things go, that's a little bit on the cheap end, but still that uh, is kind of a, an investment to make. But uh, just uh, like I said, was kind of curious, and this looks really kind of space age. So um, and if people are interested in that, uh, they can look that up. But again, as we said, and as you mentioned, Dr. Major, seems like they come out with a new type of this every couple of years. So if you want to go sort of that automated litter box route, there certainly are a number of choices. Yes, and that's, that's you know, that's pretty amazing. That, um, And it is a little bit pricey for most people, I would say. But at the same time, uh, it sounds like it's a labor saver and uh, certainly is uh, – could be just right for some people. Yeah, too. And I think if you are considering buying one, you would have to, you know, the, the you certainly buy the litter. So you could probably do the math and try to figure out if it works for you. Um, I would think maybe with a, a multi-cat home, they might be a little uh, bit better. Um, but uh, like I said, just interesting. And uh, But my, my lower tech one seems to work well, except when I get lazy and don't, uh, <laughs> don't clean it out right. It's interesting, though, because you can kind of tell when he gets in there and kind of looks around and he's trying to find a spot and, and he doesn't. It's like, whoops, I better go ahead and, and uh, get that cleaned out uh, so that he doesn't, uh, you know, because that's the thing. I think the most of the time that my cat has, you know, had an accident or whatever, it's, I really think it's more uh, because I haven't kept his box clean enough. So just a reminder to all us cat owners to go ahead and, and try to make sure that uh, you keep it clean and ready to go so that uh, they can do what they need to do where they need to do it. So here is uh, an email from Matt. It says, I have an eight-year-old lab mix farm dog that yesterday morning was in incredible pain. Her vet found that her hip was dislocated away from the pelvis by about an inch. The vet offered a few options from hip surgery to amputation. She's currently home on pain meds. Uh, do you have any suggestions in for the best treatment options? Well, not being able to see the actual x-ray or whatever, I would say that usually it's not a an ampu- something that should be amputated. Uh, I would think that probably uh, there is some surgery that could be done, and I'm not talking necessarily about a total hip. That can be done uh, by a specialist. In other words, they can do the same basic procedure that you or I would have for a hip replacement. There is a salvage procedure where the femoral head is uh, removed and neck and it usually takes a little while to recover, but in most cases, the dog can uh, recover pretty much completely. So I, I definitely, unless there's some other reason, I definitely would not think amputation would be uh, the cure for this. 
But this uh, sounds like a case, obviously, where Matt should just uh, continue to work uh, with his vet to, to determine the best thing for the dog. Sure. And the, the pain medication is important. Uh, I would say that weight management is also important. I'm sure this dog is a farm dog and running a lot probably, uh, you know, probably is in pretty good shape and not overweight. But that is an issue if the dog is overweight. And I would also wonder how the other side looks, the other hip looks. In other words, the other ball and socket joint, uh, if that is uh, okay or if there's arthritis going on there. It would be bad to do surgery on one side and then have the other side uh, create a problem. So these are things that uh, need to be discussed with your vet. Um, Are different breeds of dogs more likely to have things like hip problems and that sort of thing? Certain breeds are, and uh, it sometimes it's congenital. It sounds like this may be a traumatic uh, issue if the dog is out running. Uh, I don't know if there are cattle or horses involved in the area, but something may have happened to precipitate this or even bumped by a car. Uh, certainly could cause the uh, dislocation of the uh, head of the femur from, from the hip socket, uh, and that could be the issue. Uh, but I guess if there are certain breeds, there are certain breeds that do tend to have maybe more osteoarthritis. Uh, usually they're the larger breeds, um, and you could include Labs, German Shepherds, uh, and some of the fairly large breeds that do have some hip issues. It actually seems, in my opinion, to be better now than it used to be. I don't see as many dogs with uh, hip issues by that the severe osteoarthritis. On the other hand, we do have some dogs that uh, definitely have it, and maintaining uh, control of pain and supportive treatment is probably the best in most cases. All righty, we've got another caller on the line, so let's invite our friend Bill from Greenwood on the air. Good morning, Bill. Go ahead. Oh, how y'all doing? Doing good. What do you have for us today? Okay. I, I just tell Dr. Munger I still got that little cat with the no tail. Right. right. She did have some kittens. And one of the little kittens, I, I, I gave her to the shelter. One of the little kittens I kept of hers with, with no tail. But she's a very strange cat. She, uh, she likes to eat chicken, but, you know, she doesn't much care for meat. But she loves to eat vegetables and is that okay? She loves to eat carrots, and she'll eat a can, a can of cabbage. Well, you know, it's a little unusual, especially if it's the main part of her diet. But she should uh, have some meat as well. Chicken is fine. If she'll eat the chicken, I'd say certainly that would be good. Uh, well, it sounds like you know beef and other kind of things. Right. She just sort of at it. You know, she'll eat a little bit, but just not right. It's not too- is she an outside? Is she an outside cat? Uh, yes, yes. I I can't I can't get her to come inside. You know. Well, she I may still, be she may be supplementing her diet with uh, mice and rodents as well, or birds. Well, yes, I mean, this is possible. I've seen her get some mice. Yeah. Yeah, but she may be uh, making up for that deficit uh, meat deficit uh, by catching mice. Well, anyway. it's mice. Good for him to eat because, you know, I try to get it away from him. Well, you know, outside cats for years have eaten certain parts of the uh, mice or rat or squirrel. 
uh, I would say that there can be some additional parasite load from uh, catching and having eating rodents. Uh, certainly some of the tapeworms uh, that they have could be uh, transmitted to the cat. So, But, you know, just good health care and uh, realizing that she may get into trouble outside, and I realize that some cats just don't do well inside. So well, sounds she, like a good good cat, though. She'll leave the head for some reason. I'll go out there and I see a head staring at me. I say, "Wow, <laughs> this is weird." Well, she's leaving you a present, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Doc. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you, Bill. This is uh, Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Um, so. Um, Oh, I was just going to say that uh, it's probably a southern cat and that uh, just wants a vegetable plate every now and then. So, uh, okay. So uh, let's continue talking a little bit uh, diet. Uh, so if your if your pet suddenly stops eating or drinking, um, I mean, I guess maybe upset stomach and even like humans maybe for a while, but I guess maybe a day or two might be the time to be concerned. Right. Some of it would uh, also be geared by is the pet vomiting, having diarrhea, uh, these things would all enter in. But most of our pets, dogs or cats, would not go over 48 hours without eating and drinking unless there's something fairly significant going on. Would it be more likely that they stopped one or the other? That, in other words, uh, would they be more likely to stop eating or drinking? And is one more of a sign of potential problems than the other? I would say I would rather see them continue to be drinking unless they're drinking excessively. Uh, and certainly they may go off their food. That's what I would call it, go off their food uh, for a day or two. But I, my big dog does this occasionally. She'll say, I don't want to eat today. But she'll always eat tomorrow. Mm. And uh, I just take the food up if she doesn't want to eat it. And then she eats. Okay. You know, I know my cat drinks. I I rarely see him. I mean, every morning when he gets his food, he'll go after the food. I rarely see him drinking. I mean, I know he does, but I'm that's a little curious, and maybe maybe he just likes to uh, drink in private. But uh, well, do you, do you uh, two things? One, does he like to drink from a running faucet? I've never uh, tried that because the last cat I had did that, and it got to the point where she almost insisted on drinking from a running faucet. And I thought uh, right. I've been trying to avoid that. I do uh, make sure, and again, this is something that sometimes I, I fall back on, and I think it's a reminder to us pet owners too, is make sure that that water gets changed out frequently. Yes. And the other thing is some cats like a bubbler. In other words, mm-hmm. a little uh, it's a little fountain-type thing and they're intrigued by it a lot of times and will drink more when the water is bubbling or kind of running a little bit. So cats cats are strange. If they're eating a canned food, certainly uh, they're probably getting a lot of moisture there. But if they're eating dry, I'm sure your cat's getting plenty of plenty of water, though. And uh, that would be, uh, I don't know if you leave a toilet lid up, <laughs> some of the cats will <laughs> literally drink out of the toilet. They are strange creatures, that's for sure. We've got another caller on the line. It's Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Thanks for calling. Hi. I have a problem, guys. Uh, someone dropped off a cat about two, three months ago, and it had its ear clipped, and it's a girl. Beautiful. 
typical little gray, but real pretty, real kind, gentle. So I had lost several cats due to age that she was with her own will. I'll just replace one she can hang around. Well, she decided that she has to have the whole yard to herself and is trying to chase off all my cats, which uh, doesn't really go good with mom here. And right. I don't know what to do about the situation. Well, that is kind of, you know, I don't know how, you say she's been there two months now? Well, yeah, that uh, I have seen her. I think what they did, they knew I had cats and had this stray. They got her fixed and figured, oh, Kathleen will take her in, which I don't mind. Right, but, uh, right. This is this is not not easy for me because the two youngest cats I have are eight years old, and I don't like how um, they're being treated. You know. So she's becoming the dominant cat in the yard. Yeah, doesn't place. want anyone to eat her food. Doesn't want anyone to uh, be near me. Uh, and won't even let my little female, uh, Messy Bessie come into the yard eat or nothing, and I'm afraid if she runs off continuously like that, she might find another home. Well, so she's up, she's upset the household, basically. That's what we're saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would certainly... He even uh, took a swat at BB, and I said, you don't know what you're dealing with there. He's quite your son. <laughs> said, leave him alone. I think I would be looking for a home for this cat uh, somehow. Uh, it doesn't yeah. need to be doesn't need to be causing that much disruption. And I know you've got yeah. several cats, so it just makes it difficult on you and those cats. So I would try yeah. to find find yeah. a home for it somewhere else. That's about the best advice I can give you. Well, my okay. father used to say I had a gold horseshoe in my back pocket when it came to finding animals a home. But in these days and times, being a female cat, even if she stays, so... Um, well, that is okay. a plus. That is that is a plus, though, that she has been played. So yeah. that's good. But she's fairly aggressive. Uh, is she uh-huh. aggressive toward you? No. And she's okay. really not an aggressive cat, but just don't mess with what she doesn't want you to mess with, which is all the dog and the food. I understand. Well, okay. good luck with that, but maybe you can find a home for her. I think it would be all good. Somebody, somebody yeah, that doesn't have a bunch of cats. Anybody name a cat Darling. Can't be all bad. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You take okay. care. Thank you. Always, okay, always good to hear from you, Kathleen. Thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it's time for one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap up Pet Day with Dr. Troy Major by taking more of your pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up the show after this. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major on this All Pet Day. Still time to work in your pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 
Email the show by sending it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app on your smartphone. Or when you download the MPB Public Media app to your phone, you can listen to all of the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Got a couple of calls to get to. Let's start in Alabama. Jeff has called in today. Good morning, Jeff. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a problem. I got a farm out in the country, and I got a female dog comes around and having sex of puppies. Pretty nice looking dog, but you can't catch her. I would kind of way I can catch her. I can have a spade it. Right, so you're having problems catching her? Yeah, like she's wild or something, but she's coming around having puppies around my farm. Okay. Uh, do you feed her? Nope. So where is she, where is she, where is she eating? I'm not sure. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, I, I would start trying to feed her a little bit, if you would. Try to get her a little bit more socialized. Uh, you're, where, where are you calling from? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Alabama. Alabama. You're, there should be someone there, uh, ASPCA or some uh, shelter that has a trap large enough for this dog. If you start feeding her and then put food in that trap, I think you can catch her and have her fixed, okay? And they may work with you on doing that. So I would, I don't know exactly what uh, agency is there, but there's got to be, in most places, there are either county or uh, otherwise people that can help you trap that dog. So she well, does need to. It looks like about a while or something. So I don't know. Right. Sounds like, sounds like she is, and you can't get close to her. But if you understand what I'm saying, if you start feeding her a little bit, she might hang out more, and then you get the trap and put food in that and possibly catch her. That would be my suggestion. So good luck to you. Bringing puppies around and not feeding my father might move on, but took up Right. I think you probably should be able to trap them somehow. Just that you have to work with somebody to help you with that. All right, Jeff. Thanks for your call. Good to hear from you this morning. Let's go next to Barbara in Fairhope, Alabama. Good morning, Barbara. You're on the air. Hi. I have a 16-year-old male cat. He's orange. And he, over the past maybe three months, four months, he's had had some funny little black spots on the tips of his ears. Okay. Uh, just on his ears? Yes. What about around his lips or uh, that sort of thing? Do you see any of those there? Um, well, you know, he's always, out, I, I tell people he's got eyeliner. Because he's always okay. had uh, a little bit of black around the bottom of his, um, right. like his lower lid. Right. Okay. Are these these black spots raised or are they flat? No, they're flat. Okay. I don't think this is a very serious issue. Uh, I do see some changes sometime in uh, skin pigment, but uh, if it's not usually, is he inside cat? Yeah. Okay. It shouldn't be anything caused by, you know, like a squamous cell carcinoma or anything like that. But uh, I would suggest if it looks like it's beginning to either cause an erosion of tissue or starts to be raised, you need to have it looked at. But basically, I would say this is just a change in pigment that we see occasionally, and I, I don't believe it's serious. 
Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks for your call, Barbara. Uh, Let's go next. We've got uh, Charlene from Hickory Valley, Tennessee on the line. Good morning, Charlene. Go ahead. Yes, we've got two cats. Uh, One's an older male. He's 13, and he's been neutered. And the other one's a female that was uh, feral that that, uh, she's been neutered. I mean, she's been fixed as well. The female is getting obese, and um, the male... He likes his food down all the time. If we don't leave it down all the time, you know, he lets us know about it. And we tried taking it up, you know, for her to lose weight. But then as soon as we put it down, she, you know, eats as much as she can, as fast as she can. Okay. Okay. So she's got a, she's got a food issue, a control yes, issue. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times we see that with a, a cat that was feral or stray. And even mm-hmm. in dogs, they will eat voraciously anytime there's something down. I don't know if it's a drive from having maybe been starving at some point in their life, but we see it, especially in dogs with cats as well. Uh, how is the other cat? Is he uh, good weight or overweight? Uh, he no, he's he's lost maybe a little bit of weight, but not. He's at a regular weight. He's at a good weight. Right. He weighs about twelve pounds, I think. What What does he eat? What type of food does he eat? Uh, they eat um, Hills Diet um, cat dry okay. cat food, and then we give them okay. canned cat some. The only thing I can see that might help would be uh, he probably likes to graze. That's probably one of the problems. Uh, yeah, he so does. He likes he'll to eat eat a little bit and then not. Uh, check with your uh, vet about uh, trying to to get some WD, uh, which is made by pill still, and uh, that is a pretty good weight loss uh, diet. And I think the main thing you're going to have to do is separate them at some point, uh, at least to let her eat, and. Uh, it's, it's really difficult like that. I, I don't know how to tell you where you can keep the food, his food out all the time. So I know you hate to put him in a room and lock him up, but you could control her her eating by getting a food that would restrict restricted calories. And mm-hmm. uh, but he he needs he needs a good diet. And a lot of times, as my cats get older, they develop kidney issues. Uh, so he needs to be on, and that's a good food that you're feeding, okay? Mm-hmm. I wish I had better advice for you. It might be <laughs> wise if you haven't had her check, do some blood work, and be sure there's nothing uh, that's wrong. It sounds like she just likes to eat based on what you're telling me. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks for your advice. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Charlene. Uh, Dr. Major, got about a minute and a half left, and maybe a, a quick uh, uh, answer to this. You know, we talked about flea treatment uh, being necessary throughout the year here in Mississippi. There, there are collars, there are pills, there are topical. Uh, what's the best way to decide what's the best flea control for your pet? You know, we see some, some pet owners that uh, have very little flea problems because they live in a fairly closed environment, and unless the fleas are brought in, they may not have an issue. So they need to be aware, though, if you start seeing fleas, they need to use a, um, you know, flea, flea medication to kill the fleas. There are so many different kinds. There are topicals. There are uh, oral. 
Uh, some last for three months, others, uh, you know, monthly. And the topical ones are are good, but a lot of the cats are not really excited about having a topical put on their on their back. So, in answer to your question, it depends on the situation. If you constantly have fleas, either from the standpoint of uh, a lot of these outside cats that are strays, bring fleas to your porch or your house. Uh, I'm convinced that squirrels can have fleas as well. And uh, so it does get to be a year-round thing. So there's not one single uh, flea control thing that seems to work best. Some people swear by the collars, uh, and they they can do a good job. But uh, otherwise, we have a wide range of choices. And also, I would say uh, maybe invest in some of that uh, home spray so that you can spray some uh, flea control around your home, and that'll help keep the flea population down as well. That is going to... Thanks, Dr. Major, for always uh, what you do for us. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding is provided in part by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9. For Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.